Welcome to Teal of Interiors, a holistic approach to interior design. I'm Dee. And I'm Alicia. And welcome to another episode of Tea Over Interiors. I am so excited today because we have a special guest with us, Lizzie McGraw of Tumbleweed and Dandelion. But before we get to that, you know I need to know what you're sipping on. I'm going to start with you first, Lizzie. What you over there sipping on? Well, I go to Paris for one particular reason, and it's called this wonderful marriage frères tea. And I probably have spent a lot of money just in the excuse that I'm going to get this tea. But it's a beautiful vanilla blend, and it's made in the Marais, and it's my good morning sip. Awesome. I love it. What you sipping on, Alicia? Hibiscus raspberry strawberry herbal tea. I mean, the essence of raspberry and hibiscus is so strong. I love it. So that's my new thing. That's great. So I'm sipping on creme brulee green tea. You know, I love my tea from the Spice and Tea Exchange. And I'm sipping on it on my brand new mug. Yay! Oh my goodness, I love it. So before we get into all of that, this is going to be great. It's time for these randomness. What you got for us, Dave? Did you know this surprised me? It might not surprise you guys. But did you know... That that powder on chewing gum is actually a fine marble. No. Hmm. And why is it too? They use like talc and biocarbonate. Mm -hmm. I'm probably saying that wrong. In order to make the gum base. And then some manufacturers, when they're done, they just use that dust on the gum to keep it from getting like, I think, sticky and moist. Right. Yeah. Right. Reduce the moisture. Yeah. That's interesting. In the world of gum, too, regular gums that we buy are not necessarily good for us. Like they really can affect your tummy. People who have stomach issues really can't do the gum. Yep. So ah. I find I was just having this conversation with a friend of mine that for some reason, when I go to Europe, I feel like my diet is so much better and my food is so much better and it's so much less processed. Mm -hmm. And then I come back here and I try and follow that. And it's like, you know, my husband is a chef. So we like, we we basically buy daily. We love that. Yeah, it's that's a good thing. But, mm -hmm. but it's literally, it's hard. Like everything, I'm trying to be a good gardener and do all that stuff. Cause I'm like, it's just better for you. But it you know, is. all these, all these things tape like consciousness and time and they do. Oh, I have 5 million other things to do, but I'm going to go work in my garden right now. Right. We got started, but let me introduce our guest, <laughs> Lizzie McGraw. I am so excited to talk to you, Lizzie, because last year, October 22nd, you wrote this beautiful book called Creative Style. And the name of your store in Venice Beach is called Tumbleweed and Dandelion. And your book is all about livable and lovable spaces. And Alicia and I love that so much. But before I really talk about your book, I just want to read something, if you don't mind, to the audience. Now, you gave a bookmark, and I read this to one of my friends, and she said, oh, you just gave me chills. So it reads, everyone. This book is dedicated to every girl who's not sure where she's going, but gets there anyway. And I was like, wow, that really touched me. 
So I couldn't wait to dive into the book because I've been in design for so long. And, you know, it's like there's certain things you want to achieve. You're not sure how to get there. And then things come full circle. So Mm -hmm. I really, really love that. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. I feel very grateful to get to do what I do. And I still feel like I'm getting there. I feel like we all should probably always feel like we're trying, we're getting there. You know, I think it's the process that's exciting. Yes, definitely. You have a candle line. And I'm curious, what made you decide the name Stinky Dog? Well, you know what? It's very funny. It evolved out of the fact that so many people would come in and love our candles and tell them that they love them because they had stinky dogs. I came up with Stinky Dog and everyone went, terrible name. No, 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 no. And I'm like, I have stinky dogs. I think it's funny and I think it's good. And now the funniest thing is I can't tell you how many people walk into the store and then say, stinky dog, who would want that? And then it clicks and they're like, oh, wait a second. It doesn't smell like a stinky dog. It smells like cucumber. It smells like gardenia, you know? So we just find it a bit humorous besides everything else. I really like that. I noticed that in the book, you said that your storefront was once your home. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Well, I never really planned anything. So when I started my store, it didn't really occur to me that this would be like the thing that I would be doing for half my life at this point. And as it went on, we lost our lease and I lived down the street. So we moved into the house that we were living in as a store. And coincidentally, it was the week of 9-11. So obviously that was a very traumatic week in the world. And as we were moving into the store, I mean, I had two dogs, two cats, and only the front of the store was open. California is really expensive. I was young and hadn't made much money at the time. So I think it was almost three years that we ran a store, my guy and I and four animals opened seven days a week, which that's a whole other podcast about forgetting to lock the front door and being in the bathroom and Lord knows what. I felt like that the store, which was my house, the minute I saw that place, they were fixing it up to rent it and they wanted to rent it to a production company, like a safe bet kind of rental. And I was like, no, you have to rent it to me. And I came over with milk and cookies and I told them I would help them clean it, but just give me this house. And it's probably the best decision I've ever made because even though the street that we're on is very expensive, I think I'm one of the only independent stores on it anymore. And we have friends from all over the world because of it. It's a beautiful walking street. And so we feel blessed to have our little cottage that I can tell people I once lived in the hut in the back. And then everybody goes, what? You have to do that. Oh, that is wonderful. Alicia used to own a floor. Oh, yeah. Two of them, actually. So you know. Mm-hmm. And I also know about the 24-7 always being at work. You know, you're always at your mm-hmm. business. Yes. It's, people don't know. They they think there's this amazing, charming, wonderfulness about owning a shop or owning a boutique or a little something. And I am not saying it's not wonderful, but, but it's a yeah. lot. It's, it's, a, a lot. it's a lot. It consumes your life. 100%. And I feel... There, You know, there's been many a times during the pandemic, I was like, this is it. Like, I, I'm not opening this. I had to pay rent for seven months and make no money. And during that time, we also had to do like some repairs, which cost a ton of money. And it's all on me. But so many people called us 
during that and said, can you just make my window treatments now? I'll pay you now, make them whenever you can. We don't want you to go away. And all of a sudden it reignited and I got the help I needed after all these years too. Because that's the hugest thing is being able to afford that. And we're small businesses. Doing that is, you know, that's a mouthful right there. So I feel like we're in a place now where I won't tell you honestly, in 25 years, last weekend and this weekend are probably the first two consistent weekends I haven't gone in the store. Isn't that something? And people mm-hmm. don't realize that it's a huge sacrifice. Well, trust me, I realize the miracle of what it is that is happening for me right now. I do also think that change is good too. Like if it's something that you don't last at, I mean, you're obviously fabulous. You go on to do other very cool things, you know? I'm very well supported by little things that have just sort of happened in my life. Like one of my first friends is Mikhail, who runs the business with me. And we're best friends. I'm only as good as my team. But brutal honesty, since the pandemic and as things were changing and whatnot, Mm -hmm. it's always been very hard, you're right, to hire the right people. Mm -hmm. I've had everything from thievery to just all kinds of people who tell you they love it. And they're like, did she just walk out with sheets? (laughs) What what just happened? Like, all all that stuff happens. I feel like, you know, we're very scheduled and organized and we have these great meetings. But also, especially like a couple of them, they really have the personality to be the me when I'm not there. You know what people want? They don't want any BS, but they do want to be guided. And that takes a certain kind of person. And it has to be authentic and it has to be real. I feel like I've been exhausted this past year in a good way, training people to tell the truth. Training people to like don't overpromise, underpromise, and overdeliver. Absolutely. You know, and tell people, you know, when we can't get to something, just say we can't get to it. Yeah. And they can get mad and they can get upset, but say you want it right. And this is custom. So you'll get it when we're ready. And we're mindful of the time. So it took a long while to be that person, too. Like old Lizzie would have like cried and ate 20 donuts. I Jared, Oh my God. I was listening to one of the podcasts that you girls did. And one of your subjects was basically one of you said, well, start with just a clean house because the, the two of you were talking about people who are always like, is this right? Yeah. And, you know, oh. that's another. Yeah, that's another exhausting part of what it yeah. is that we do, because it's never right. Is it right for you? That's the yeah. question you should be asking yourself, you know. Are you living well in your space? Are you happy in your space? You know, I think that's what we're all trying to achieve here. And it's so interesting, too, because it's not an Instagram competition. It's your own personal life competition. And I don't think we realize Hallelujah. how, how quickly <laughs> our lives go and that we should go, okay, my intention today is to have this wonderful chat with these beautiful girls and oh. then go play in my yard, you know, yep. and that should be enough enough absolutely but you know what lizzie that comes with maturity right yes right totally. these are a tad bit younger than me oh god bless her <laughs> it's so wonderful because i've watched her evolve over the last i don't know is it 15 years now is it more 12 i think it's 12 okay i've seen her mature and even in that time You know, you just get to the point, like, I'm really no BS. Like, she's always saying to me, oh, my God, Alicia, don't say it. (laughs) Because I'll just like, it just comes out. 
because I don't have time for it anymore because I've seen it and done a lot of that already. And I already, I see it coming uh, a thousand miles away. And I'm like, (laughs) we're not doing that. I will say this. One of the other things we do is we really build houses and that's a whole other business. But I didn't realize I was always almost the only girl on every job site. And I never thought that there was any discrimination against me until a few years ago when it came. It really hit me in the head. And I changed. I went, wait a second. And all of a sudden I stopped renegotiating things. I was like, why am I renegotiating this? That was my price. You don't get a deal at the end. Then I lose, you know? Right, right. That was a very tough change to make as women, the young girls that are with me now, and trying to change that for them. They're 22 and three years old. And I'm like, you're just out of school. Get your worth. Be your worth. You have to make your paycheck, but get it. Don't act like, could you or I please or any of those questions, you know, just be very businesslike and say, I did this for you. Can I get this out of it? This is what I should get, you know, and it took me way too long to figure that stuff out. And once I did figure it out, things got much lighter. Absolutely. I, I would agree with that. Oh, I love I love what you're doing. I really believe in mentoring. Mm-hmm. I've had many lives and I used to be a school teacher. Mm-hmm. And, and I will tell you, when I look back at the students and they're so much more capable and they are telling me about the stuff that they learned as a result of the mentoring and the tutelage and they really have come a long way. So what you're doing is so essential. Opportunity is one of my favorite words. Because especially in what I do and on the street that we have a store on and the people that I build houses for, there's a giant middle area between the haves and the have-nots. And there are so many have-nots that are so capable and so wonderful that they just need the opportunity. You have no idea the gift you're giving them by saying, you know what, this is yours. We just have to find your way in. I love that. That is good. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you said another thing that you do is build houses. Is your store not open seven days a week prior to getting help? It it didn't have help, which makes no sense. And now it's open six days a week when I do have help, which actually does make sense. Was me working harder by myself. And now it's working smarter with people. And everybody who's with me, it's all about entrepreneurship. We're all learning to be able to build the house keep the client happy, do what we say that we're going to do, and also do our branding and our store commitments because we are an independent store on a street that's now filled with big corporations. I used to save every penny to go to France and there'd be these beautiful little stores that I would go to and they're not there anymore. You know, Paris is still amazing, but that part of it is gone. You know, and the world is ever changing, but it's not like there aren't skilled people in the world doing these beautiful things. We just have to find them, you know, and it's environmental to to repurpose and reupholster and redo. So we try and speak to that as well. You know, we don't want to just pollute the world with inexpensive crap. Yeah. In your book, getting back to your book. Yes. Creative Style livable lovable spaces first of all these pictures i could live in the pictures oh yeah (laughs) this beautiful i love it all i love how clean bright airy uncluttered 
I'm a person I help people declutter. And that's another thing I started with my design business. But I just love how it's so thoughtful. There's antique mixed with modern. And there's all these different styles that are placed together, but they all work. So I just love it. You want to talk to us more about your process? Of course, I would love to. Well, the book, I think, is interesting because I was very lucky to get a book. It's not like I had the clout to be like, oh, just I'm writing books now. So the fact that that evolved into that, my projects are all very interesting because I really cater to my client and to what it is they want. So in the book, there is a New York City loft, which is very mid-century modern. And then there's, you know, a many million dollar beach cottage in Malibu, a couple of those. And then there's my cottage on Lake Erie, which is as rustic as you can get, you know. So I sort of feel like I try, well, I guess to give you an example, the the mid-century loft that I did, I did during COVID. And the woman who I did it for is amazing. Her name is Leslie Lincoln-Gladder. I think she's the only second woman who's the head of the Directors Guild. And she makes big movies and she just sort of gave me carte blanche because she's very busy. But she also got very nervous before she came in. So she came in with a friend to see it after not being there the whole time I did the house. And tears came to her eyes, which was huge for me because she said, you got me. You got what it is that I wanted, which I think is our goal as creators and designers, but also she's a woman who said something that I keep with me all the time. She's in her 60s and she said to me, I'm mid-career. And I loved that because I'm like, there's this whole idea that as you get older, you age out of your career, you shouldn't do your career. For some reason, you should stop. I love the fact that I've gotten to meet these incredible people and do these houses and that they've trusted me with getting them what it is that they want. So that's really, the book is, it's creative style because there's many styles in it. I wanted to talk to you about something that I've been struggling with. When do you use a flaccati rug? I saw one in a uh, nursery in one of your pictures. Uh How do you feel about those rugs? I'm living with one in my master and I'm about ready to throw it out the window. How, how, it's just like fur balls everywhere. You got any tips? You know what? I don't know that I have any tips on those other than like, I do think that they're a bit precious in that way, because I know that in that, the particular nursery that you talked about, that was the starting point of the whole room. It's walkable art. Those rugs, you know, I think that those make a room and then the statement needs to be much less after that. But you're right. You have to be willing, committed to shaking it out and to doing all that stuff to keep it looking like that. I find in my life, I have animals. So that is not a possibility here because that thing would be in a hundred million pieces in 10 seconds. But I I do throw them on chairs and I do throw them on bedrooms that I know my lovely little animals will not get into and whatnot. Just because I love the authenticness of them. I love, you know, how cool they are. That sounds good. Yeah. I think I'm still going to have to throw it out the window, though. (laughs) On page 22, there was this sofa. I have to have it. In the townhouse in Boston? You know what? We make those sofas, but that's actually a CB2 sofa. Oh. Yeah. We actually, we made most of the sofas that are in that book, and we make curved sofas. 
but I'm really about reupholstering and redoing. And, you know, you go into like these thrift shops and these great places and you can find these great sofas from 20 to 50 years ago that are made to last literally a lifetime mm. and just reupholster them and get a very cool, great shape, you know, and then just do something, do a fun new fabric on them. Yeah, that's yeah. why we love your book so much. Yeah. Uh, we love found pieces. We love to remake things because... Mm -hmm. You know, new is mass produced a lot of times. Like, yeah. I want to walk into an interior you've seen before. I want something that's original and feels lived in. That is part of the struggle, too, because I will tell you, I fight for us to do that all the time. It doesn't always happen when somebody doesn't have the patience for that or literally do have to have patience. The client, you mean, right? The client has to have yeah. patience for that. Like, yeah. You do yeah. like there. So there are times that we have to give in. Nowadays, though, the shipping has become so long winded that we can produce quicker than you can order them, which for now is a wonderful thing because it is environmental. It is great. It is a sofa that should get reupholstered and passed on down. And the price point is very similar, you know, so it's not we like to create affordable furniture. Awesome. So, yeah. It was so great speaking to you today, Lizzie. Anything you want to give to impart to our audience? Also, let them know where they can find you. Well, I'm going to let them know where they can find you because you girls are amazing. And you know what? I feel like it's all we can do for each other to sort of support each other and say, you know, go listen to these girls because you'll learn. Yeah, oh, thank you. Thank yeah, we appreciate that. Yes, we appreciate that our little podcast. <laughs> but you know what though? It's 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 not. It's a big podcast because yeah, I think you'll you'll reach and you'll be reaching people that you don't even realize. It's very exciting. And it's a journey that's fun. From what I've heard, I feel like you're pretty multi-generational. I feel like my 20-year-olds would get it, my clients that are in their 30s and 40s would get it, my mother would get it. I feel like you're just giving common sense information. And I feel like people need to hear that because I long ago gave up being that I will sit with you for an hour to pick a pink pillow. I'm like, make up your mind. Don't get the pillow. I don't care. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I feel I'm like cracking up right now. <laughs> so, you know, I feel like design is not about that. It really is about something else. And it's about how like how your house makes you feel and how you live. And you're really right about the fact that the decluttering of it is a huge thing. When you live with your mess, you don't clear out for all the good stuff, you know? I wanted to leave us off with one of the quotes in your book. It kind of speaks to how an interior designer is meant to make your home feel. And this was from one of your clients, Dan Stern. Mm -hmm. He said, our favorite room is the living room. It's completely mid-century in its feeling, totally comfortable and still elegant. When our friends stay in the house, they never want to leave, in quotation marks, which is exactly what we want. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that's the whole purpose of hiring an interior designer and having someone more knowledgeable than you. Mm -hmm. Because even like in one of the spaces, like how we consider... How will the chairs affect sight line, like in the kitchen when it's open, when it's an open floor plan? How will all these elements you want to put in the home, how is it going to affect the way 
You see your views that you want to frame for traffic flow, for your guests, for entertaining. We make sure that they get what they want because they don't know exactly how to achieve these different tips and tricks and things like that that we like to share on our podcast. So, Which you just made me think of something. I, I think as a tip to people who listen to your podcast and who want to interior design and who are interested in elevating their homes, it is incredibly important that you hire and work with somebody that you trust. It is incredibly important that that relationship is a beautiful relationship because the hardest jobs are the ones where the people are always second guessing you. The hardest ones are the ones where the people can't like let go of a little bit of control to let you help them find their way. Because that's when they order that light that you're like, it's not gonna work, it's too small and it's too small. That's when, you know, you have these little issues where they're like, oh, I thought it was going to be this. And I'm like, well, this is what you ordered. Oh, I didn't realize it was really that brown. Well, you had a picture and I said to you, it's not the same color as your other thing, you know, but those things happen when you're not simpatico and it really is a creative process. And so, you know, and all that we do, if you want to trust your world to somebody, trust it to somebody that you feel simpatico with. And, you know, if you're constantly hassling them about the money, that's another issue too. And I think that that's burdensome on the client and on the people helping them because you get what you pay for, you know, and you can't have a diamond for $10. You want to wish them well, and you both want to move forward. is brought to you by Truesdale Morrison Design. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Truesdale Morrison Design. And please rate and subscribe this podcast to help us improve and grow. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.